feel like you're running life through the motions day after day? Do you feel sluggish with little energy to be able to spend time with your family? Do you feel like you're just not living up to your full potential? What if I told you you could transform your life through mindset and movement? Here on the Ecala Podcast, you'll be inspired, be motivated, and be able to take action to become that best version of yourself. The Ecala Podcast is for those who want the opportunity to better themselves through health and wellness. Here you'll learn tips from experts in their field, hear inspirational stories to help uncover your full potential. Now, are you ready to transform your life? Welcome back to another episode of the Ecala Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Pasquale. And today I have another special guest here, David Gonzalez. David, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So we we actually met several months, like late last year, actually. Or we we didn't officially meet. We spoke on the phone. And then we crossed paths, officially met earlier this year. And David, actually, are one of our trainers here at CrossFit of Fremont. I'm really grateful to have you on board with us. And David, uh, David has a story. And um, really, he's been an inspiration to me. I've been inspired by your story. And that's why I wanted to bring you on and, and talk about, a little bit about that and hopefully inspire others. But David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. Uh, I grew up in uh, the city of uh, La Puente out there in Southern California, uh, LA County originally. But um, I had left that city when I was in 2007. I was 18. I picked up uh, a prison term for uh, 16 years. Some crimes I committed as a, a wild ass kid, you know, being a gang member. But um, man, uh, that was a, a wild ride. I grew up in a I grew up in a very chaotic background, man. My parents, you know, my parents went through the struggle with addiction. There was uh, a lot of violence I seen in the household, domestic violence I seen, um, gang life. I seen gang life. It was ironic. The ironic thing is that I ended up becoming a gang member later on in my youth. When I grew up hating gang members, I really grew up hating gang members. Like I used to see them and be like, man, these, these assholes just take what they want, you know? They, mm-hmm. they just do what they want. That's not right. And uh, I grew up really like despising them. But then as I seen all the struggle going on in my household, the, the madness, I really uh, went to the streets all the time. You know, I try to play outside as much as possible with all my, you know, the homies from the neighborhood. Well, they weren't from the neighborhood, but like, well, in the city, you know, in the, the streets and stuff. We grew up together, my neighbors and stuff. Uh, I really focused around hanging out outside my house as much as possible. I would run home, drop off my backpack, hit the street. And then I started to pick up on like, man, um, the people that I despised, you know, the gang members, the people that I despised for so long, um, they were just like me. They were just like me, man. They were going through the struggle of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, parents on addiction or parents incarcerated. Uh, you know, pretty much we're all raised by our grandparents later on at a certain point of our youth. You know, and we're all dealing with the same. So struggles. you felt like a connection, the connection yeah, with them, like, like they could relate. Exactly. So I found out, I finally realized, like, thinking back on it now, I realized, like, man, um, Hating them was I was hating myself, you know, like in a sense, like how can I hate these individuals when they come from the similar background I come from? It's like hating myself, looking at myself in the mirror and hating myself. So I became them, you know, I became, I became, a, you know, a gang member. I joined the neighborhood and um, I guess I had a sense of recognition, belonging, letting people know I'm seen, you know, let like, I just go real quick with it. Like I always tell my daughter, 
I tell everybody, what's up? Good morning. Hello. How you doing? When I walk by just random strangers in the street uh-huh. and my daughter's like, why do you do that? And I was like, people just want to be seen. People want to be seeing me. I like, who knows what kind of struggle they're going through it. And, and me telling them good morning, who knows if I can make the day and if I can't, and they're still mad about it. Hey man, you know what? I tried, you know, and it doesn't hurt to try. What's the worst that could happen? They're going to give me a mean mug. Well, hey, I'm going to smile back, you know, let them mm-hmm. know. No, I, but, I can relate. I mean, just getting that acknowledgement, like, trust me. Yeah. So as a kid, <laughs> I seen that, like, I just wanted to be seen, you know, like my household was so chaotic where if like, I love my parents, but at one point in time, it's like, I didn't matter to them. They, they were focused on, like I said, they went and struggled with addiction, you know? So they were paying attention to that or fighting each other and not paying attention to me and my siblings. So you know what? The homies were paying attention to me. Uh-huh. People in the street were paying attention to me, but the way they were paying attention to me was because I was replicating what I was seeing in my house. You know, for a long time, it took me to realize that hurt people hurt people. You know, that's trauma. Hurt mm-hmm. people hurt people. So my way of being seen was, man, committing robberies, gang banging, the power of the neighborhood, the power of the gun, all that good but bad stuff you know and i used to trip out on that like i should really sit back in my, my prison cell and, and reflect on that like damn i became what i hated but then i hated myself i need to love myself yeah. it took me a long time to get there i disappointed yeah. you know a lot of people in my life especially my grandparents but then it's crazy because my mom she got incarcerated i was like 11 or 12 she was her, her first time of incarceration my dad was always in and out my whole life you know but at this time, he was already incarcerated. And then my mom follows suit, and she gets incarcerated. This was hard because thinking about it now, my, uh, my grandparents saved me and my siblings from going into the system. And when they got incarcerated, they picked us up from the courthouse. Uh-huh. We got lucky. The judge didn't want to be like, hey, snatch up the kids, call social service, you know, put us in the system, put us through uh, down there in L.A. County. They got this thing called McLaren Hall, which is, is a, it's a madhouse, you know. But or he get put into foster home, stood up the kids. But um, the judge, I guess, man, I don't, you know, he took my mom in that day to teach her a lesson. But that day, he also, you know, wasn't an asshole. He let us call my grandpa. My grandpa showed up, picked us up, took us home, and that's where we remained until my incarceration was with my grandparents. Like, even though my mom came out the system later on, my dad came out. We stayed with my grandparents, me and my siblings. You know, at mm-hmm. one point in time, my siblings went and lived with my mom, but I stayed with my grandma. So. I just trip out thinking about it right now as I say it out loud. They saved me at that time, but they also saved me in my change, in my, in my, in my evolution of change. Like, you know, how, my wife has how, helped me. How did, has, how did they? My wife has helped me in my change. Right. But it was really like when, when my grandma died, I was on the prison yard and I was actually on a lockdown. We were on a lockdown that day on the prison yard because they hit my cell, specifically my cell and a few other cells saying that we were going to, kill some cops, I guess. I don't know. They got a random kite. say we're dealing drugs and we're going to kill the cops. So they actually came that day, that early morning, ransacked the cells, took all our property. And we're just laying on the middle bunk. I'm sitting in my cell. We're on lockdown. And a cop just comes knocks on my door like at 8 o'clock at night. He goes, hey, Gonzalez, what's your last two? Four, six, what's up? What's going on, boss man? He goes, hey, man, um, you know Edna Gonzalez? I said, what the fuck? Wait, what's that to you? You know, like, what's up? He goes, hey, uh, she just died. I was like, what? And he walks away. Kicked my door. Hey, this is the guard. 
Yeah, like, hey, asshole, like, what the hell did you just tell me? You just walked away? Like, like, hey, what was that again? And he was like, oh, I came back. And then he told him to rack my door. And it was crazy that he ended up racking my door because we're actually specifically on a lockdown. Our cell was one of the target cells that were under the impression that we were going to attack the cops. But he racked the door. And I was like, hey, what, what wait, you- so what does what does rack the door mean? Oh, open the door. He opened it. Okay. You know, he opened the door, the cell door racks open, you know? And uh, I was like, hey, what do you mean? What, what's up, boss? What's going on? He goes, hey, uh, yeah, man, uh, your grandma just passed away. We just got the call. I was like, man, uh, what the hell? Like, you know, I was tripping out. And then it's crazy. A few days go by after the lockdown. You know, I get to call my family, talk to my grandpa and stuff. But now I'm on the yard. You know, I was involved in all the madness that goes on in prison. And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, we're trying to put some food in the dirt right now. And they're putting someone that I love in the dirt. Like, what am I doing? And then, bam, a light bulb clicked on. Like, wow, I really need to get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here. Like, I need to get the fuck so, out of here. I need to get shit together. So how, how old were you when you were incarcerated? Man, I, I got incarcerated at the age of 18. At the age of 18. I had just okay. got out of juvenile hall. I went in into juvenile hall at 17, October. I got out September. I got busted October 06 as a kid. Got out September 07. So I had turned 18 in there. And then three months later, I picked up my other prison, first prison sentence, well, own first and only prison sentence of 16 years in December at 18. Mm. So at what point of time, how long were you in prison when this happened? Oh, I was already down for um, about 12 years. I was already 12 years, but 12, almost 13 years in the, in the, in the system. Yeah. And, and then, and that, and that was, uh, that was the turning point then you would say. Yeah. Like I was already going that way. Like man, my, my, my wife right now, Celia, she was already like, motivating me and pushing me and being there to change I already holding me accountable for certain things I did, but I used to always have that little kind of wiggle room, like, Hey, it's just prison. Like I obligated myself to play this game. So like, I'm going to do what I have to do to come home, but I still got to survive in here until I come home, you know? But then that's when like that happened. That's when I was realizing like, Hey, like, you know what? Like there's no half stepping no more. Like you want to change, you got to change. And like Cilio's already pushing me to change. And then that was the sign, I guess you would say, from the powers that be above, you know, like, hey, man, you're either going to change or not. Like, time's ticking, you know? Do you remember that exact moment? I mean, when, when yeah, that thought was, came? Yeah, like, like I was just, we are sitting there, actually sitting at a table. So you were with Celia, your wife? Yeah, I was already with Celia, but no, I was in, we we're on the prison yard. Okay. Like, the yard in prison, and we're chopping it up about dude who owes, like, a massive amount of money, and... <laughs> We're like, man, let's put this one in the dirt. And then I just like, and then when the, the dude said that, like, I just like, man, put this one in the dirt. huh? Or they, and then I even mentioned it to him, like, man, they just put my grandma in the dirt. And I was like, man, I got to take a walk. I mean, I don't think I should be right here right now. Like, let me go get some time, you know? And then that's when I sat there and went through my little psychological warfare amongst myself. And, and I was like, man, I talked to the homies. Like, hey, fool, I'm going to do what I have to do. You know, play the game. I know the rules, but as far as all that extracurricular activities on me, like I'm cool. Bro. I'm not want to just. My people are getting put in the dirt. I just want to go home. Like, I but could you have I been had. able to do that? Like, like that's what people like. People have failed. People fail to realize like how the system really works. Like, our people like I know I'm Mexican. You know, our people in there really strive for us to be better. They force education upon you. They, they force physical fitness upon you. You know, and it's all to better you, make you stronger, get you ready to go home and stay the home. No one wants to see. We didn't want to see our people constantly caged up like animals. You know, if you want to play the game, hey, homie, play the game. 
this is the outcome, go ahead. But you know what? Like, if you want to just do your time, you can really just do your time. You just got to do, follow certain rules. Some shit pops off. You got to do your thing, you know? But you could really do your time and just go home, you know? And people fail to realize that. People think, like, oh, this dude's in a gang. He's in, he's in the gang forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's always going to be a part of that person. That individual is going to be part of their story. But they're no longer, man, you know, you don't have to get out there and go out there and pick up a gun and post up on the block like you're another 14-year-old kid again. Nah, man, you're a grown man. You did your time. You did your dirt. Go home and be a family man. Boy, I, I encourage you to be a better person. That's you know, good. like, and um, you have that opportunity, you know? You have that opportunity. To so you took, utilize those resources. Like, after that turning point, then, how did you start to change? Man, I just started to change. Like, um, like see, I struggled with addiction for years. You know, I used to use, uh, I used to use heroin. You know, I used to use heroin. But before that, like, when I was a kid, I started drinking at the age of 11. You know, I got my first my first beer at the age of 11. And then I ran rapid with that. And so I went to juvenile hall, you know, and, and then I went to prison and I picked up that other bad habit. I did that for years. And usually like some people that, that go through, um, you know, recovery, they usually go from like, you know, go to meetings and go to groups. Like, man, mine was, I just like, man, I got, I just light bulb turned on and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I see it. I ran my course. Like I ran my course. Something that's it. Like there's, there's nothing more I want from this. And why I, I dabbled with it just to find out where it was going to go. And you know what? I went to the limit and uh, that's um, like, like you ever watch Forrest Gump? How that guy just ran for three fucking years. And then he just like, I'm tired now. I think I just go home. (laughs) Like, that's how I felt. Like I'm done. I did it. You know, like that's, that, that was it, you know? And, um, so I never really went to groups, but then see, uh, fortunately enough, LA County had this thing called men's community reentry program which is a contract with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, where dudes with the last 16 months of their sentence go to the street, strap a GPS ankle monitor on them, and let them transition to the street, but living at a program. Like, I was still technically in custody, still technically an inmate. If I cut that monitor off, they would have said I escaped prison. Mm. You know, they had a correctional officer on the ground. He does his count time. They had two parole agents, you know, but it's ran by a staff. Like, I went through the Amity Foundation. And their staff, they're not called counselors, they're called demonstrators. The reason they were called demonstrators is because majority of the staff there mm. went through the struggle, drug addiction, prison, you know, went through some shit. So they had life experience to relate with the fellas that were coming through there and show them, hey, we, you could change, bro. You could change. There's a possibility. Like, you want it, you have to do the work behind it, you know? But if you want it, this is what could happen. You could change, have a job, have a family, do your thing, be a civilian, you know? So I went, fortunately enough, I went there where I had my full, complete transformation of being a civilian. I went from being a convict to being a civilian, you know? And uh, it's funny, though, that, that I say that now because I used to kind of give some of the demonstrators a hard time. Like, they'd be like, like, you're not in custody. I was like, if I'm not in custody, let me go walk down to McDonald's right now. And guess what? The whole damn squad team is going to be at McDonald's going to bust my ass. I know I'm still in custody, dude. I'm still in prison. I'm still mm-hmm. a convict, you know? But... They would always tell us that, and now I find myself saying it like, "Man, I was becoming a civilian there," you know. And that's how it really started, like my whole life. Like, there's more that goes into the story. Like, man, I can go on days, you know. Yeah, we can talk forever. Um, and uh, 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 so, so about the program. So, how that program? Yeah, the program worked. Like the way it helped me, it actually made me real good with talking with people. I went into containment, which because you know I came in, I went to the program through the COVID all this COVID crap going on, you know? So we had to go through quarantine. But I told myself, once I get there, man, I'm going to do what I have to do. 
don't get me wrong, every organization or any entity entity in the world that's been established for years always got some bullshit going on, you know? But there is some good shit too, but it depends on what you're there for. If you're there just to pull the line, just to get out and have a little extra stuff, guess what? The good shit's not going to work for you. You're going to end up back with the bad shit. You know, you got to know what you want. So I, I knew what I wanted. Like, man, I want to come here. I want to learn how to, first and foremost, learn how to fill out a, a tax form, learn how to uh, get a job. Like, I never, stuff I never did. Like, I went straight from just mm-hmm. being a wild kid to the prison. So I never had none of that. Get my first ID. But also, too, learning how to talk to people. One thing I learned in prison was how to talk to people, learn how to talk to all walks of life, people with mental disorders, people of different color, people of just different mindsets, different um, people lived in different parts of the state. Some people are there from other countries. You know, I just learned how to talk to everybody. That's one thing I did in prison all the time was read. So that if I sat in a holding tank with any individual, I could not have a conversation. I like to talk. So I was like, I'm going to have a conversation with you. We'll figure it out, whether it be about politics, history, language arts, books, novels, love stories, music. But we could sit here and talk math if we had to, which ain't my forte. We should talk about some science. I'm going to find something to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. cultures, all that good stuff. So you, like, you, you like went, conversations. So that's, that's, yeah, I like conversations. I like to know to what's going on with this guy, you know, because mm-hmm. one thing people fail to realize you can learn something from anybody. You could really learn something from anybody. That person's going to know something you don't know. Whether it's a certain amount of salt that goes in a dish, you know, mm-hmm. how to tweak a, t- uh, a stereo system to sound just the right way. You know, set up a table. There's always something you can learn that you did not know, you know, from any individual. I mean, the only way you know you learn. Your experiences and their failures. I mean, that's where we come together and learn from that. You're going to learn from that is talking to people. Uh So it's like, man, I'm going to figure this out, you know? So uh, when I went to the program, I told myself, I started in containment. I started listening to their groups from my window. And they'd be like 80-man groups, you know? And it was always being ran by the same individual. He'll go up there and run the group. You know, on the mic in front of everybody. I was like, man, I'm going to get out here. I'm going to grab that mic. I'm going to start running that group. I'm not used to talking in front of 80 people at one time. But guess what? I'm going to go out there and do it. I'm going to put myself in the most awkward position until they no longer become awkward. They just become second nature. Mm-hmm. So I went out there, started running groups, started running groups. And like, this is going to be funny how I say it too. As you think about it, it's like, I wasn't, I, I don't know how to be embarrassed. It's like, how am I going to be embarrassed when I stood right there during a the strip search? In front of a, another man with a flashlight. Like, after that, there's nothing to be embarrassed about no more, bro. It's like, all privacy went out the window. So, like, what am I going to tell you that you're going to make fun of me about? Should I just have to bend over, crack my ass cheeks with the guy with the flashlight? Like, but there's nothing else to be embarrassed now, you know? So, it's like, I went up there. I started running groups. I started honing my skills and talking to more people. Started integrating myself with other races. Because, like, in the system, you know, you stay with your people. You stay with your color. You know, I'm brown. I still go brown. And, um. Uh, one of the things that the program did after I came out of containment, I was still there for a few days by myself in that in a room. They immediately put me in a room with two brothers, man, two Africans. They put me in the room. And I'm sitting there like, man, I just did 13 years in prison. And I was fighting these dudes most of my time. I couldn't take food from them. You couldn't do a lot of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, they just put me in the system. With, and this is in the system, you know? And I was like, man, they just put me in a room with two guys, two mm-hmm. black guys. And I'm over here being amazing. Like, I'm now I got to start like, you know, getting out of my head. I got to stop being institutionalized. And I adapted to that quick because, like I said, I like to talk to people. So I start chopping it up, learning shit from them. They're learning shit from me. 
And then that was cool. And then met more people, more different demographic of people through um, the Phoenix, the Phoenix organization, uh, which is a nonprofit. It's called the Sober Active Community, which bases their method of sobriety through physical health, physical fitness, social events, and community. Most of all, community. Bro. And what I like to tell people yeah. is community. Like, we're on Misfit Island, bro. We need the greater community to pull us back to the mainland. We need help getting out those waters, you know? And so I met them at the program at Amity. They, they had started work, running workouts right there. It was through Campbell, Campbell Luller, and Thaddeus Style, Stiles. And then they would come and they started running like CrossFit style workouts for us in the dead end, right there on the street in South Central, 38th and Grand, right there. It would be on and cracking, right? They're running CrossFit style workouts in the ghetto, you know? And um, that's my first introduction into CrossFit. I was like, man, okay, this is what it's going. It's, it's, it kind of looked like a prison workout to me with just some weights, you know, a prison workout on steroids. So then, then the Campbell shares his story. Thaddeus shared his story. Like they were both also incarcerated and this is mm-hmm. what they're doing now in their life. So I would always constantly, of course, being on the bumper, questioning them, barraging them with questions all the time. Like, how'd you guys figure out how to do life? But then also too, how'd you figure out this workout? And this all connects, you know? And then, man, after being engaged that, constantly being showing up to the workouts, engaging them, they offered me a, a program called the Resilient Program through the Phoenix, where they help people that were uh, convicted felons with opportunities to um, become entrepreneurs, fitness coaches. And help people in sobriety and not be exploited by the system. Like, here, man, go swing a hammer. Here, man, go uh, lift boxes in a warehouse. Like, really give us a shot at life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, of course, I jumped on that. And after that, man, the trains left the station. That's how I ended up here. Like, yeah, and, that, and that, that's really how I connected with you because you were working with the Phoenix yeah. and connecting and networking with gyms. And we had a phone call. Then we uh, we had multiple phone calls and talking to other, with each other. And then finally... We had you, uh, we met in person and yeah. And because of the Phoenix, that's why we're here. Yeah. Like the, the Phoenix man, like they and they're, they're organized with, uh, they, they work closely with CrossFit, right? Yes. They're part, they got a national partnership with CrossFit. They started building CrossFit community centers in the country for people to go work out at and the people that are sober to go help and be in a sober environment in a very encouraging environment. Like one thing that gravitated me most, one of the most things that key things that gravitated me towards the Phoenix was a sense of community where no one had ulterior motives. No one was there trying to be like, yeah, 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 they stab me in the back. Like, nah, these people didn't have ulterior motives. They welcomed me into the community where I wasn't stigmatized. I wasn't, I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't, you know, they, they weren't there to watch me hurt myself. They were there to help me build myself up. You know, even when they were like, hey, we could run workouts. You know, you don't have to verbalize what you got going on. We could run a workout. That's going to help you, brother. You know, mm-hmm. like, man, the Phoenix, like, I, and then with the work I did with them, I was able to help other people too. You know, like I just made a tough decision the other day where I sent them my two week notice. Like, man, these people helped me. They got me to where I'm at today. You know, they made, they helped me become a coach. They helped me get where I was at. Like also too, even uh, there's this nonprofit called Deuce Community that has helped also helped me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, through Deuce Gym out there in Venice, California, where it's like, they just put me in a, in a place to succeed. They gave me the tools, but they also held me accountable. And they also helped me along the way. They didn't just open the door and be like, run through it. Nah, they actually, man, hand in hand, walked me through the door, you know? And thanks to all those people, those two nonprofits, man, I'm here today. Now I'm a coach at the gym. I help train people and, and help people, like not even just at the gym. I work with the Phoenix where I was able to, to show fellas and women that come out the system. We could do it, man. Ain't no one hungry like us. Like, 
ain't no one hungry like it. We ready to go. The thing is, we just got to be able to hold our commitments. Just how we held, like the way I tell people, man, you held your commitment on the yard, right? Like you know how to play the game and hold your commitment to that. Transition that commitment to your family, mm-hmm. to your job, to greater society. Like, like my thing was, I wanted to help rebuild what I used to be a contributor to the destruction of it. Drugs, selling drugs, gang banging, all that good stuff. That cams, not good stuff, but bad stuff at the time. You know, bad stuff now. Like all that stuff that goes into destruction, I didn't want to be a part of that no more. And I wanted to rebuild, but I didn't want to do that swinging a hammer. I wanted to do that in a different way. And I do it through coaching. Like coaching, I believe physical fitness is what saved me from going insane in prison. It helped me maintain my sanity. Yeah. And that's what's one of the conversations that we had when we were first. It's like, yeah. So yeah. How has fitness influenced like, me? Uh, and like uh, I told you, I I wa- I was in a cell. I had just got smacked in my 16-year sentence. I had just left reception. I left Delano, went up to High Desert. I sold up with one of my other homies from the neighborhood. And the dude was getting his money. And it's like, why are you getting your money? It's like, what, what you working out for? Like, what, what, you, what you, you ain't going to the beach, you know? <laughs> like, you ain't trying to look good and shit for a bunch of dudes, right? But nah, he goes, man. See, at that time, in the system, he was like, hey, bro. Like, every time that door racks open and you hit the yard, so you hit the battleground. It's a battleground. Anything could happen any moment. Someone could come up and just have a bad day. Next thing you know, the whole yard's blowing up and we're all out there getting our money, out there trying to try to survive, fighting for our lives, literally fighting for your life. So you have to be prepared for that. But you don't only got to be prepared for that physically, but mentally. And then he goes, look at you, man. You look stressed out. You look depressed. Like, look at you. And guess what? Me working out here, I could have my smile. My body's ready for anything that comes this way. But my mental health, man, I'm in here smiling, bro. Look at you, stressed out, depressed. So I was like, man, this fucking old man makes sense. <laughs> you know, he makes sense. Like, damn, all right. Makes you know, I started getting my money, man. I started getting my, I started working out. And I really focused on that. Like, man, my physical fitness really helped me maintain sanity where, like, a lot of people break in there, man. We go through a lot of psychological warfare, not just with the cops, but with the other inmates and, Things going on with the family that we cannot control. It's like, man, you got kids. Or all kinds of stuff's going on. You can't control nothing. You don't control nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing you're controlling is your bowel movement. And that's until you can't control it. And there's moments when you can't control that either. <laughs> you know, like, you don't control nothing. You know, like, your food is regimented at certain times. Your program's all regimented. It's either by the system or by the, by the game. And you don't control nothing, you know, but you control your mental health. And by doing that, I was able to control it through physical fitness. So I stressed that to a lot of people. It's like, hey, man, you don't got to talk to me about shit. But let's work out together. I'm going to get you to get better. You're going to feel better. You know, you're stressed out right now. Here, this is going to help you, man. This is going to be the antidote to purge that poison from your body, you know. And, and it helps. Like, I, I know it helps. Trust me. I sat in that box at moments where it's like, man, why am I keep going? Why am I going to? Man, after that, when I get that thought in my head, I'm like, what the hell? I get up and start doing some burpees. Like, hey, man, I got to sweat this out. Natural drug. Yeah, like get that natural high, you know? And that's why I love what I do now is is helping people, not just with their physical fitness, but also with their um, mental. Like, I really believe working out is great, man. We all want to walk down Venice Boardwalk looking good, right? But, man, like, you give two shits if you're happy up here. Like, if you're happy in the mind, man, you're happy anywhere. You're comfortable in your skin. And that's one thing I love, too, about CrossFit 
is that you see some big boys, man, big boys moving, moving faster than the small guys. Like, and they're getting their money. Yeah, they're probably not walking around chiseled up with a 12-pack or nothing. But they're moving. They're happy. They're healthy. That's what I love about CrossFit. It's like they don't go around portraying that, like, oh, you got to look chiseled up. You got to do this. You got to do that. No, no. We focus on quality coaching. We focus on moving the body. And we focus on the wellness that it's going to give us both physically, but most of all, mentally. Mm. You know? And yeah. So that's what, you're out of the system now. So, like, is that why you continue to work out? Or what, what's your why of why, why you continue to work out now? Why I continue to work out? Because I know what it did for me. And I want, I want to, uh, I think, I believe that if we have that more going on and I believe that I love the community of it as well. Like, man, I remember um, just like referring back to the system, like I'd be in the hole, right? In the holes, which is your screw up. What I used to call it, it's like, say you're in the, say you're living in society, you get busted, you go to jail. So we'd be like in prison. I used to, we used to call the prison yard, the city, the hole was going back to jail where they put all those screw ups, you know, but we'd be back there cut off from everything and man we'd be back there working out in these dog cages and like everyone's cheering each other on like that's why i use the term get your money because that's the name we that's the term we used to always use in the system get your money how many you gonna get your money you get your money you know and everyone's there pumping each other up like come on big boy move like the the, the camaraderie that it built among us in there if that could work wonders like that in the system and bring up a bunch of people that were worst enemies in the street together just like i hope like man what we do at the gym is building community through the struggle how you really build people tight together is just by bonding through struggles mm-hmm. and a struggle through a workout that's creating a bond because it's a mm-hmm. struggle any struggle it could be it could be anything you go through in life but what brings people together is a struggle look at the countries man whenever they bomb pearl harbor guess what the country came together Everyone was beefing. The country came together. You, everyone comes together through a struggle. Right. And that's what I love about the gym. Okay. And that's why I continue to work out and all that is because mm-hmm. we're bonding together, bringing mm-hmm. people that would never talk to each other when they walk by on the street into a room where they become brothers and sisters. Yeah. In, in the end, we're just, yeah, all different backgrounds, all different types of struggles, but we have a goal in mind to accomplish this, this workout. For mental reasons, for physical reasons, but we're all just, we're in it together. And then to be able to do that with a diverse group of people, it's just something yeah. really powerful and special. Exactly. And that's why I love it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love it. Like, man, you bring a, like you said, a diverse pool of people that will not talk to each other otherwise, become brothers and sisters fighting that struggle again through that, through that workout, you know? Yeah. Wow. David. This is really powerful. So you talked about, I mean, you implied basically the community that you've really been in through the Omni program, the Phoenix, the Deuce community really has helped you to grow then. Like, it sounds like if you didn't have that, being by yourself, would be more, you know, difficult. Yeah, like it'd be different. Like me, I'm not the type of person that, like, even though I, I've been in and stuck in a, a jail, a prison cell alone for months on end, and I didn't like it. Should I be on my door talking to my neighbor, yelling I'm across the tier? Like, hey, what's up? Mommy was cracking down there. You know, I'm over here all alone, you know? But yeah, like, they have, but they also, what they helped me do is like, they helped me hone the skills I did learn through going through the system and use it for the good. Mm-hmm. Like, the things I did learn, yeah, they were wrong. I maybe learned them the wrong way, but going through Juice Community and the Phoenix, they helped me hone my skills where I could utilize what I went through to help others. Yeah. You know, and look forward and, to uh, that. And yeah. I, yeah. And I just, 
man, you know, and at the end of the day, like, one thing I like to stress to people a lot, like, what's the worst that could happen, bro? They're going to tell you no? Like, man, no, no ain't shit. No, that's nothing, man. You got to roll the dice. You got to take chances in life. Because if you sit there and you're content with life and the way things are, I tell people all the time, you're not living, man. If you want, we go get you a pine box right now. You can just lay in it, save us all the trouble. You know, <laughs> we can use your, actually use your next paycheck for it so we don't have to uh, go raise money after you're gone. You know, like the thing is you really like is take chances, man. Be happy. Live in the moment. Of course, you know, be somewhat like safe around it. But also, like, man, learn how to roll the dice. Like, dreams don't come true if you don't chase them. That's why people tell you, chase your dream. You got to chase it. You know, we grew up as kids. Hey, you could be anything you want. You could be anything you want in the world, man. You could dream. You could, you could make your dreams come true. But I trip out on how people are just content. And Taking action is the toughest part. And then. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is like. But you, you, the way you say it, though, when you says, what's the worst going to happen? I mean, it's true. Just if reflect back on that, you said something earlier. You're not embarrassed because you've been through, like, embarrassing moments. Like, what could be worse than that? So it's like, what's the worst that could like, so happen? I don't want else to get uh, strip searched or nothing to, to make them uh, get uh, rid of their awkwardness. But like, but when you, when you put that in perspective, though, then, I mean, yeah, maybe you could help someone really empower them to, to really take action because that is fearful for a lot of people is, you know, what are people going to think about me? But when you put it's it like, in that perspective, it's like, who cares what they think about you? Like, shit, screw that asshole. Man. Let him just go ahead and be bitter. <laughs> you know, that's all that person is bitter, you know, but then like, I hate seeing people bitter too. I remember I, I used to run into, I had this older homie, man. I love him. I love him to death, man. But that dude was bitter. You know, he was a bitter homie. And I used to be like, fuck dude, I can always do with your shit, you know? But, um, and I used to tell him, like, why are you mad, fool? Why are you mad? You think you could just go around shooting people dick and it was going to be all right? Like, why are you mad, fool? <laughs> like, you joined the neighborhood. You know this was all going to happen. You wanted to be with the business. This was going to happen. So be happy in the reality, bro. This is the journey you took. Enjoy yeah. it. Revel in it. Don't sit there and be pissed off at the world because you're here. If anything, this is what we aspire to be at one point in our life as gang members. So why aren't you not happy, bro? Why aren't you happy? You're pissed off. Maybe you made the wrong career choice in life. Then I guess you might as well just hang up your gloves. He used to get mad when I tell him that. What you mean? I ain't going nowhere. I was just saying, then be happy, homie, with your career. Like, come on, man. You know, and that's what it. Pursue your passion. Be happy. Just be happy with whatever you do. Yeah, and that's what goes into like everyday life. Like if you're not happy in what you do, then go do something else. Mm. Why sit there and live miserable? Because... You know, I, I think I think one of the reasons too why, for my personal reason of why I took action is, you know, putting the perspective of like, okay, if I'm like hopefully like 90 years old, you know, my deathbed, like, wh what regrets would I have? Uh, see, that's I was I used to get asked that like some people like, hey, do you regret anything? See, okay, I was I was married once before, right? And I I tell people this story because I was married once before I met Celia and. uh my ex-wife had asked me, like, hey, they're changing the laws, man. They might let you out. I was probably already down for, like, six years. And I was like, man, I don't want to go home. Why would I want to go home right now? Yeah. I'm not ready to go home. Like, I go home right now, I'm going to come right back. And I'm a two-striker. I got actually three strikes, but I get one more strike. I'm here for the rest of my life. Why would I want to go home right now when I know I'm not ready to change? I just come back here and spend the rest of my life. So not. And she broke down crying, like, oh, yeah. All that good stuff, right? <laughs> and then I was like, but I'm telling you, like, why would you want me to go home now just so I could come back for the rest of my life? 
let me get ready. When I'm ready, I'm ready and, and I'll be ready. And I was seven years later down the line, I was fucking ready to come home. You know? That's true. And I'm never going back to that place. But I knew at that time I wasn't ready. Okay. Like, yeah. Wow. You know? And to accept that, like a lot of homies were like, why would you say that? I know. I went home and it's like, <laughs> nah, why would I go home? I'm coming back. I go home right now, bro. I'm going to go to my neighborhood, pick up a pistol, and I'm off to the races. Like, nah, I'm not ready. You're ready. You are ready. Yeah, and like once like I been ready. I was ready. Yeah, like once I was ready, I knew it. Like I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm gonna lace up the shoes, hit the ground running. And you can't make up for lost time, and that's a lot of things I, I try to stress to the fellas. Like you can't make up for lost time, too. Like mm. you can't make up for the lost whatever women parties, uh, all that good stuff. You can't make up for that. You can never. We ain't God, homie. We can't go back in time. This ain't this ain't the Back to the Future TV show, homie. Like we cannot do that. Yeah. One way ticket, homie. It's not round trip, you know. And. The only thing you can make up for, though, that I, I do tell the fellas, is you can make up for lost money. You can make up for lost money. And you can make it up in a legal way, homie, where you don't have to worry about someone kicking your door in and taking it all away from you. You know, focus on what you want. And it's, it's true because, like, I, I didn't think about this concept. And to you, I always would ask me, like, hey, what's your why? What's your why? So I sat in a group I go to. It's called the TRP Academy in San Francisco, the first abstinence-based program in San Francisco. You know, and I sat there and I was like, hey, man, there's a question. The guys some questions. They're like, yeah, go for it. I know, you know, it's in the group. So I asked everybody, hey, what is your why? Like, why did you go through the struggles you went through and why are you willing to change? But then what is it? Why is it that we could adapt to any situation? If we, if the cops came in here right now, raided the spot, took us all, picked us all up, took us to the concrete box, guess what? We're all going to thrive in there, right? We're going to hit our cell, get there, clean up our cell make some line, get ready to fish, meet the fellas. Like we could adapt so damn fast, any adversity that we face, but why can't we adapt to being a civilian? What is it that is holding us back? Why is it that we could deal with struggle, but we can't deal with, with, with uh, uh, prospering, you know? What is that? Why is that? Why are, we, why are we putting on these invisible shackles that are going to keep us in place for the rest of our lives? What is it? And then like, cause it's a recovery program. So like, why did you come here? What did they say? Was it? And no, I told him, give me a time to I'll give him time to think about it. You know, I want to hear about it the next time I come around, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, but I want you guys to sit here and think like, why did you come here? Why do you want to be here? Why is it that you want to move forward in life? But then also, why is it that you cannot make that transition into being a civilian? Why is it that we cannot deal with being good? But then also, why is it that we can also adapt to any adversity that we've been thrown in. Well, you really showed that really the mindset is the, is a real powerful thing. The The mind is the mind is like, man, your body, your body will quit on you before anything else does, but you could lock it in your mind that you're going to push through this struggle of this, this workout. Maybe you might kill your body after, but you know what? If you could keep that strong mental fortitude and you're not break. Yeah. Your body's going to shut down, but guess what? Your mind's so sharp. Your mind pushes Push the body beyond its limits. The mind is a powerful thing. And that, like, it goes to that old saying, like, the mind is a powerful thing. Like, do not waste it. Not waste it, man, because you could do anything, man, anybody. That's why it's like the world is smart as hell. Like, the people that created things in the world, man, have no educational background, but they put their mind to making it happen. How do we get that mindset? Does it come from the physical or something has to? It's sometimes for me, it can be, you know, you say mental health, right? It get like we work out, it helps get our mind right. Maybe that's a good, that's one way to uh, start shifting your mindset. But 
What if you don't work out? Some people, they have this uh, recollect, you know, this turning point. It's kind of like you too, um, where you don't even technically have to work out, but one of the, one of the two has to happen. It's just like, you have like, I guess like, that's a good question to ask everybody. You have to figure out what, why do you want this? Why do you want that? Like, man, why do I want to eat that double-double today? Because you know why I want to eat that double-double? Because it's fucking delicious. That's why I want it. So what am I going to do to go get it? I got to get off the couch and go to In-N-Out. Right? If you're going to sit there and find something that you want and put the work behind it to go get it, why can't you do that with everything else? What is limiting you? Where where is that sign that comes up that says, stop, don't do this thing. You did that thing that you love, but don't do this one. Why is that? Yeah. You know, what is that barrier that's holding you back from actually chasing your dream? But then you go do something else you love. You like playing video games? You love playing video games? You're playing video games all fucking day? But then when you're just like, oh, I want to create a video game, why'd you stop there? You did all the work to get there. Why stop here? Why not keep going on this path? Mm. You know, why not roll the dice? I tell people all the time, why not roll the dice? Take See where it can take you. Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? Dave, David, David, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, that turning point with huge, uh, like, you know, being vulnerable with uh, sharing, like, you know, that, that connection with your grandma of really like having that impact on you. That, yeah. I really thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, I never realized that like that until I thought about it. Like, man, my grandparents saved me once and then they were the ones. Cause even too, I got to see, like, I got my old man got to see me change and before he passed away. Last September, he uh, I tell him all the time, "Hey, Grandpa, I'm gonna do good, Grandpa. Mm. Do good, Grandpa." And he, he, my Grandpa had this look all the time, like, "Yeah, whatever, asshole. Like, whatever, Dick. <laughs> you know, like he knew it. I knew it. Like I could see it in his face right away. He never believed it. You know, he, even though he tried to smile at me and tell me like, "Yeah, mijo," he uh, he never believed it. You know. And then one day I was giving a, 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 a orientation, a presentation at, at Amity the parents that come in and, and see you or the loved ones that come to the program mm-hmm. I gave a presentation my grandpa came and he seen he seen it all and then I talked to him later on and he told me he's like I see it Mill. see it mm-hmm. wow then I got to he got to see it you know I got to give him something you know and and I got to make my peace with him for years I didn't get to do it and and man, you know, that old man has taught me a lot of things, man. After, after that, like I learned a lot about my grandpa and I learned that we, we share a lot of uh, commonalities together. Like my, I met his, uh, you know, my aunt Maggie, his sister, I go up there sometimes to try to see her and uh, she would tell me, hey, you're like your grandpa, huh? You guys just go around talking to everybody, make everyone your goddamn friend, you know, everybody. That old man walks down the block. He's from LA. He's talking to everybody up here. He's walking. People are giving him water when he's walking by. And he goes, and she goes, you know what, Mio? Your great grandpa was the same way. Grandpa's dad was the same way. He walked around anywhere. He talked to anybody, random people all the time, making friends. Yeah. You know, and he's like, you guys share that together. They live know? within you. Yeah. And and and, sure. and and I'm glad to share that, like that, that with him, that good, you know. And uh man, in the big, big, big part, like in my help and 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 in my um change, man, is my wife, my wife and my daughter, man, they hold me accountable for a lot of things and nobody really used to hold me accountable for anything. And I really didn't care before. Like, man, I don't give a shit. Like I'm, I'm running solo. Let's run into the dirt, you know, but my wife and my daughter have been such a big help in maintaining my mindset. You know, like I never cared about anything in life really. Like I didn't care about my own physical health. 
shit, I've been stabbed in prison. I've I've done a lot of things, bad things to people, man, where I've I've played a uh, Russian roulette with my life for years, you know, and um and I didn't care. But now it's like seeing I never want to see disappointment on their face. So that I do everything I can to be that good person for them, but also for, for myself now, like, man, I could actually go to sleep and not have to worry about my celly going nuts on me or something, you know, like you really, you really have your why, you know, your family you yeah. know, that you're trying to uplift, um, especially uh, those people that, you know, you relate to. So you have purpose and you're, you're living, you're David, you're living. Yeah. And I see it for years. I was pretty much, I guess you could say I was scared to live. Like I was playing Russian roulette with my life so much that I was scared to live. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, nah, I'm living now. Like I'm happy. I, I, I don't want to die that slow death of, 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 of addiction, you know, of, of incarceration, of, mm-hmm. uh, of all that. Like, man, like it's crazy too. Cause like a lot of people would always tell me like, Hey man, you got a good heart, but I was doing so much evil at the same time I was trying to do good, you know? And I'm glad that the good won over the evil, you know? Mm-hmm. it took a long time <laughs> but it got yeah. there and then you know, and, yeah I'm, I'm proud of you i'm, I, oh, I'm excited you. to see each other all of us grow together and um we can all learn just like you said we can all learn from everybody's experiences and everyone has a story so thank you so much for sharing david where can uh, people reach out to you if they had any questions and wanted to get in touch with you Man, if they have any questions, they can reach out to me at, uh, at my email. It's uh, davidgonzalez at 0728 at gmail.com. Any questions, man, feel free. I'm a people person, man. I talk to anybody, man. Don't be shy. I don't well, care yeah. what you got going on. I don't care. The, I'll be straight up. I don't care the color, creed, color, creed, orientation, whatever you got going on, man. I'm here. I'm here, man. Uh, the world the world is is for us all to live in it together, man. And, and, and anybody need conversation, man, I'm here, man. Anything I can do for you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Um, if you have not yet, go ahead and subscribe to the Ecala podcast on Spotify and um, Apple Apple podcast. If, if you have not, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Ecala Strong. So thank you so much, David. We're going to have, have to have a part two real soon. So All right, thank you. you. Have a good day. Thank you. You guys have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. But wait. We want to keep you updated and continue to be inspired and motivated. Follow us on our Instagram page at Ecala Strong. We'll see you on the next episode.